Hey everyone, and welcome to a podcast by Buffalo Occupational Therapy for student and OT practitioners looking to bridge the gap between what you were taught in school and real-world OT practice. We are all about using our full scope of practice and understand that OT is so much more than ADLs. We are a medical science, we are a social science, and we are the cutting-edge next generation of OT practitioners. Welcome to Rethink OT. Today's episode is all about the day in a life of an outpatient occupational therapist. I do have a story highlight reel that kind of describes to you step by step what I experienced throughout a day, but I also wanted to give you a a written version of what my day looks like so that you can prepare um, for your outpatient setting. In outpatient, you treat mostly neurological rehabilitation, but you do also treat orthopedic uh, pathologies. So also something to keep in mind as we go through a day in the life of an occupational therapist in outpatient. What are the main takeaways of an outpatient neurological occupational therapy setting? And for what should you be prepared if you are considering becoming an outpatient occupational therapist? There's nine main points that I hope that you glean from what my day-to-day looks like in this type of setting. Number one, outpatient occupational therapy is probably the hardest, most time-consuming setting in the occupational therapy profession. Why? Because of the broad case mix, the length of a plan of care, how involved you get your with your patients, and the demands of bringing someone to maximum potential in a lifelong situation, right? It's our job to keep them in the community with whatever ailment or pathology they're facing. We need to know our stuff, and that requires a lot of non-clinic commitment. Number two. Outpatient occupational therapy is not a nine-to-five. So if you are looking just to go into work and go home at the end of your day and detach from your career, definitely not the place setting for you. You become very involved with your patients. They depend on you. They begin to depend on you for healing and see you as someone separating them between disability and dysfunction and living their best life. So definitely not a nine to five. You will and should go home at the end of the night and read research, study, and treatment plan. Your patients are trusting you to restore their function. This is important. Number three, outpatient occupational therapy is never boring. So if you are someone who just can't sit still as far as a career, I myself am someone who has always jumped around. Before starting occupational therapy school, I had already graduated and was working full-time, and I changed my job a lot. I just was bored. Uh, And outpatient occupational therapy, never boring. So if you are that type of person, you want to look into this place setting in occupational therapy. Because the case mix is highly variable and the outpatient... um, and the outpatient setting is so quick, right? You just never know what you're going to get throughout the day. 
the occupational therapist is able to use their entire scope of practice. Uh, So we pull from a lot of different approaches and theories throughout our day. Number four, the occupational therapist or occupational therapy practitioner is able to see patients for 45 minutes to one hour of undivided time. The plan of care ranges from six weeks to six months, 10 to 12 months. Sometimes if your patient has a progressive neurological condition, you will remain there overseeing therapists throughout the condition. So this is years. You build a relationship with with your patient and their, their loved ones throughout years. Anytime something happens, anytime they experience a decline or have a question, you're their therapist and you're able to to walk them through maximizing their their full potential um, in their life with their diagnosis. Number six, to be prepared for this setting, I'm sorry, we skipped five because number five was the outpatient OT is able to build rapport, a relationship with their patient and their loved ones, and is able to help them through challenges that arise throughout the lifespan. Number six, To be prepared for this setting, you should have an arsenal of assessments and research databases at your disposal. Look into memberships and subscriptions for research databases like JSTOR. My subscription is through my alma mater, so I have an ongoing subscription to their library uh, because research is so important to me, uh, so I I maintain that presence on their site. Number seven, from day one, begin building a book of protocols, treatment rationales, and anecdotal case studies. This will make your life so much easier going forward. So you're not going to have a a book of ideas for a while, but it does grow. The more you research, the more you have your aha moments, the bigger your resource arsenal will become. Bot Portal, I hope, can be a collective, uh, a collective resource for the occupational therapy profession. But it is important for you to also do that work. And when you have an interesting case, make sure that you're writing down what you did to get your results. This is important. Number eight. Outpatient occupational therapy is not popular and many outpatient clinics only employ one to two OTs for every 10 to 15 PTs. Oftentimes this is due to ignorance of our scope of practice, believing that physical therapy can do more in this setting than an OT. But for the OT that harnesses their craft, actually the opposite is true. We do double what a physical therapist can do. We are going to turn this around. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Number nine, finally, if you are overwhelmed by these truths, consider a mentor or tutor prior to transitioning to outpatient occupational therapy. There is absolutely no harm in in establishing a mentor relationship to go over your caseload, to go over different ideas, to walk you through how to think like a clinician. How do you think of the big picture? Guys, you have to invest in yourself. You can't assume that everything will be handed to you, and you can't assume that you're going to be able to survive as a medical professional if you do not have these skills. So please do consider um, what you're willing to invest 
when it comes to yourself. Don't wait to the last minute and get the $99 subscription to OccupationalTherapy.com and jam-pack all of these non-relevant trainings. A lot of their trainings are fantastic for the right person. If you're in an SNF and you just take a whole bunch of pediatric courses because they're easy to meet your requirement, what are you doing for yourself? Consider that too. I want to provide a realistic depiction of what an outpatient occupational therapy practitioner faces throughout their day. While it's true that my circumstances are slightly different because I'm the owner of these practices, the information you take from this article will be generalized. This is a typical day for an occupational therapist or occupational therapy practitioner working in outpatient occupational therapy. It's the same day, it's the same type of uh, day experienced by other therapists and other assistants working in this space. I work in the full scope of my practice of occupational therapy. For those of you who have followed me on social media, you know I say that a lot because I want to get across the importance of being able to have the liberty to do that. My caseload requires me to understand both orthopedic conditions and neurological-based pathologies or ailments. In one day, I could see someone with executive function deficits like Alzheimer's disease, carpal tunnel, knee replacements, sciatica, Parkinson's disease, and CVA. Other days could look exactly the same or completely different. This requires a lot of preparation. Even after practicing for many years and having employment in the medical rehab unit, skilled nursing facilities as a director of rehab, I'm a consultant for teletherapy services, I still require research and studying an additional 10 to 12 hours weekly in unpaid research time and continuing education. Why? Because medical evolutions are always happening and I need to ensure that each of my patient is getting the most appropriate and research supported treatments. Hey guys, I just wanna interrupt real quick. I wanna take a minute to remind you to head to our website for OT treatment ideas, any PDFs we reference in this podcast, and a ton of OT science rationale for your documentation. Be the therapist your clients ask for instead of just the therapist they feel they can do without. Head to the bot portal and OT store at www.buffalooccupationaltherapy.com. And don't forget to find us on social media in our Facebook group at Outpatient OT or on Insta at OT underscore Outpatient. Now back to the show. So what does this look like? I begin my day each morning. I arrive around 8.30. Sometimes I, I work at my desk at home before I leave if my kiddos get off. Uh, I have three children, so if, if they get off to school and everything is sorted and I have a little bit of time, I will work from home before I leave. But typically 8.30 to 9, I arrive and um, I, I prepare my day. So although I have treatment planned the Sunday prior to the week, there are last minute changes and evaluations that may have been scheduled and I wanna ensure I remain ahead of my day and in as much control as one can be in an outpatient occupational therapy setting. Remember that, like I said, you just never know what you're going to get in an outpatient setting. So arriving at least 30 minutes prior 
is definitely important to staying ahead of the day because it has a tendency to get away from you very quickly. If there are no surprises, I will use this time to create home exercise programs for my patients. We use physio tools. Um, we also use PicMonkey to create neurocognitive remedial worksheets for them. Or I'll complete documentation that was not completed prior to that morning. I'm pretty sure that no matter what place setting I find myself in, I'm always catching up on documentation. It's awful. Although I love my work in occupational therapy, I'm also an introvert. So new experience fill me with so much anticipation and anxiety, and that pretty much happens on a daily basis for me because I'm working with, with new patients all of the time, and I'm evaluating new patients all of the time. So it's really difficult for me to find that, that mental balance, um, and so I often use this time to get in a better headspace for the day, build my confidence, I pray, I kind of center my feelings for the day. Compartmentalization is key to adapt, pivot, stay flexible, and still remain in control for those who are depending on, on me. So definitely, if you are that person, uh, please know that just because you feel you're an introvert or you feel like uh, you would do better in like a quiet space, that doesn't necessarily mean that you wouldn't thrive in occupational therapy in the outpatient setting. So keep that in mind. There's all different types of personalities working in this type of dynamic place setting. From nine to four in our clinics, we do not have official lunch hours, so that's when our treatment hours are. In outpatient occupational therapy, people cancel all of the time. It's like a daily occurrence. Weekly, we have a counter that every time someone cancels, we flip uh, the counter each week. We try to stay, you know, at a pretty good ratio, but you just have no control over it. Schedules are the opposite of being set in stone. So if you crave stability and sameness, definitely outpatient is not for you. It's up to the therapist to determine when the 30-minute lunch break will be. Otherwise, our patients are scheduled at the beginning of the week, and we are able to prepare accordingly. Each practitioner will see up to seven patients for 45 minutes to 60 minutes, depending on clinical needs. And I may see some patients once weekly and others I'll see three times weekly. It just all depends. Even still, there are times when I expect to be treating seven patients and four people cancel. And this is not uncommon. This is another reason why outpatient clinics have, have various revenue streams because it's just unreliable. It's definitely unreliable. Um, people cancel. Things come up. As I stated, outpatient occupational therapy requires use of the entire scope of practice. Because of this, I've spent years training, researching, and developing my competence in the various lanes of OT. I utilize the following approaches and, and practices throughout each day. So if you're taking notes and you are trying to get a handle on what you should review before before you step into a setting like this, these are some, some daily practices I use. Principles in behavioral health management, neurocognitive remedial principles for treatment of executive dysfunction, visual, visual perceptual dysfunction, physical, physical restorative medicine, working on motor return, gait assessments and functional ambulation, decreased chronic pain in the upper back, lower back, lower body, 
improving range of motion, using modalities, wheelchair assessments, and the list continues. So guys, it is so dynamic. You can't possibly prepare for it all, but you can review and have a general understanding of these different lanes of occupational therapy within the outpatient setting. Because my facility does not support point of service documentation, I take notes on my iPad using the app GoodNotes. I don't get any kickback for this, but GoodNotes is a huge lifesaver. It's been a huge lifesaver for myself and all of the practitioners at BOT. So definitely if you have an iPad and you take notes throughout your sessions, GoodNotes is phenomenal. Because we're holistic and work with progressive neurological conditions 85% of the time, it's important for us to be undivided in our attention so we can observe and analyze little changes from week to week or session to session. It is so important that we see the details. And if you're doing point of service documentation, if you are distracted and you prop your patient with an activity, you could be the reason why they form a maladaptive movement pattern that we don't catch a change in time to do anything about it, etc. So keep that in mind too as you you know integrate into this setting and into your practice in outpatient OT. Some common pathologies we see: carpal tunnel, cubital tunnel, CVA, MS. So CVA, so stroke, MS, multiple sclerosis, PD, Parkinson's disease, myositis, chronic pain in mostly sciatica, so lower back and bilateral lower extremity pain, arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's or other related dementias, gait dysfunction, fine motor deficits from a variety of conditions. So those are the most common pathologies. As stated, we do get a 30-minute break for lunch. I will be perfectly honest, I usually work through lunch doing my notes or doing something for bot portal or what have you. With that said, on nice days, I do try to get out of the clinic and get some fresh air, go for a walk, get the mail, do what do what I can to rest my brain and have a little bit of balance. Though I will be honest, I'm still working on trying to find that balance. Finally, around four, we're open till five. Our last patient is from four to five. And most of the time it's filled. Otherwise, we use the end of the day to transfer information from our, our apps on GoodNotes to our EMR system. We use WebPT. I love WebPT because of how easy it is. Um, I haven't, I've used, I've tested two other ones in outpatient and I'm, I don't love them. They're a little harder. Um, but WebPT does come with a cost, so that's something to keep in mind if you are like starting your own practice or or whatever you might be looking into an EMR for. Um, again, when I'm documenting, when I'm converting my scratch notes to actual defensive documentation, we use our treatment uh, quick treatment notes. We've spent years developing our quick treatment notes and we pull from them every single day so that we can make sure our activity analysis and research is in our daily notes so that nobody can refute what we're doing. Uh, we absolutely lead with defensive documentation. You have access to this as a bot portal. If you are a bot portal member, um, you have access to that through the documentation database and I provided some links for you there. 
Finally, as the administrator, I will review notes and co-sign documents for billing purposes. I'll plan for the week, set up patient records for new patients, um, and, and do a lot of the background work when everybody goes home. So typically, I am at the clinic until 7 to 8 at night. Uh, that's all throughout the week, but it, it is variable. For the most part, everyone leaves around uh, the, the appropriate time. <laughs> All right, so that's it. That sums up a day in the life of an outpatient occupational therapy practitioner. I hope that prepared you a little bit or shined some light on what to expect in this type of setting. Uh, I congratulate you for pursuing this path, and I look forward to hearing about your, your journey uh, in outpatient occupational therapy.